What's up, everyone? This is Goldilocks, former TNA backstage interviewer, manager, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line podcast. Thanks for being here. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 198 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Conning Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, it is the go-home show before Genesis. That's right, folks. Just three weeks ago, we had Bound for Glory. And we had a new NWA world champion. Well... That's no longer the case because on our last episode, which was the Spike TV primetime two-hour special, the first of its kind, Rhino lost the NWA world title. And our boy, Jeff Jarrett, has regained the title in large part to uh, America's Most Wanted hitting a death sentence through a table on the floor. Pretty pretty big spot. Mm Mm-hmm. But Jeff Jarrett is our new NWA World Champion. And Dallas says, this, as I said, this is the go-home show. The main event for Genesis is Jeff Jarrett and AMW against Rhino and Team 3D. And I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about a pay-per-view where the world title is not on the line? Well, unfortunately, it's not the first one. That we've seen. This has happened before. right? Literally like five months ago. Well, that one, that's different because none of the titles are on the line. (laughs) At least we're going to have something. Yeah, we're going to have some titles on the line. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fine if we have a a big match to go to. It it sucks because it feels like the match could, that they're doing at Genesis could be a sweet impact match. But primetime special match, you know, here. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't bother me too, too much, um, you know, especially because it was just here's the thing. It was just defended three weeks ago. Then it was just defended again two weeks later. So it's not like we're not getting title matches. At least they are happening. But it certainly doesn't have that incentive to buy the pay-per-view to see a world title match. Well, and it, it really doesn't bother me, especially with the context of do we really need a third Jeff Jarrett? rhino match in three weeks correct in the three week span correct um i think my bigger issue with all of this is i am so freaking sick dude of jeff jarrett saying i promise i'm gonna be the world champion and then all of a sudden he is he's a man of his word and i don't like it because well, is I, that isn't that part of the heat yeah i guess it is because he's he's right he is the new yeah, world champion again uh, so that part's kind of bugging me. I didn't like, I promise when we get on Spike TV debut, I'll be champion. And you're thinking, how the fuck that's going to happen? They're, they don't have any TV. Oh, it was at an indie show in Canada. It's like, okay. Yeah. Well, he did it. <laughs> and he did it again. I'm actually, um, I'm shocked how short Rhino's reign was. Um, I didn't think it was that short. 
I knew, I don't think, I, I think I knew that it wasn't long, but I mean, less than two weeks, dude. Whew. Ain't good. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to win it again. I don't think he does. I think that's his last world title in his career that I'm aware of. I don't even know. I'm trying to think. All right. I wonder if like if he's ever really truly a main event guy, like again. Um, that sucks if not, because I kind of think we're seeing some really good work from him here at this time in DNA. So it's kind of disappointing that um I do know essentially of... gonna be it could have just been finished, right? Like that sucks if that's true. Well, I do know one other time that he challenges for the world title on pay-per-view and it is within the time frame that we're going to be covering okay it is however like four years later yeah you can't have it all i think it's four years well i think that the the thought in my head right now okay so we we saw rhino debut this year win the title now lose the title and he's going to be here for quite some time still as far as i'm aware Yes. Yeah, I don't. He's think... literally here for. He's here for a long time. Okay, well, since till I'll literally. Right till at least, 2010. Yeah. Um, is which he... is crazy. Oh, is he? Is he an EV 2.0? Yes, and that's kind of after that. And I'm looking right now because oh, I, because I was going to look at um. I was going to like see if they had like a what other titles he wins in his career kind of thing on here, and I'm scrolling so. Yeah, he basically, um, it's right after, let's see, right after Final Resolution, <coughs> he he uh, he ends up leaving. And then he's on the indies, to, and he does some Ring of Honor shows, and then he comes back to TNA in 2014. Uh, but this all being said, we, we very clearly, we have some time left with Rhino here. Um, and then he goes back to WWE, and then he wins the title with Heath Slater and stuff. And then he comes back to Impact again. In that WWE run, I am surprised that it's like three or four years. Yeah, it yeah, says here 2016 to 2019. So, I mean, it's a pretty yeah. decent run. And they win the tag belts and stuff. I yeah, remember... I think it might be almost longer than his first time being there. I remember when they, when they had won it, it was like, dude, what the fuck? Rhino and Heath Slater, what are we doing? In hindsight, I mean, I guess it worked out pretty good, didn't it? But yeah, that wasn't bad. I feel like at the time I was like, "What are we doing?" Like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't. Because you don't, didn't appreciate Rhino. I don't think I appreciated him enough. I think you're right. I think you're. I think that is definitely probably true. Heaven's the best. Heaven's the best of us. Um, anyways, I was trying to find other world titles, but they're not even in, in any kind of order. Because I'm sure he wants some indie. Indeed, uh, he absolutely won indie ones. I know that um, he won the Jersey All Pro heavyweight title. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's countless. Others. I mean, dude, yeah, this I couldn't even start to tell you if I wanted to. It's that it's like that many. Yeah, yeah, that that was never a doubt. I just in terms of like TNA, I don't think not in our not in our watch along. Yeah, I, that's not. Yeah, I don't think so. Because he did not very long ago, but. Anyways, he won a world title. Not world title. No, no, no. A title. Uh, okay. No, I'm talking about not world. world. Yeah. yeah. Correction. No world titles. Sorry. Well, uh, coming off of that primetime special, um, like Bob said, we have one week left here. 
And so let's see, just... we have a day. Oh shit! Well, we got one show to watch, and then tomorrow, guys. <laughs> tomorrow is Genesis. God damn it! That it throws me off, dude. Instead of having yeah, okay, yeah. so we have a day. Uh, let's do a quick rundown of what we just saw of the primetime special, and then Dave has some interesting notes about it as well. He breaks it down like it's a pay-per-view. I'm not reading all of that because uh, we just covered it. Take a listen to it. But I will um, point out as I go through the results, he does give some of these matches star ratings. So I'll, um, I'll, oh, I'll at least tell you. Times. Yeah, so I'll at least tell you where, the ones he does that for. Um, in the opening contest, we saw Jeff Hardy, Lance Hoyt, and Sabu defeat the Diamonds in the Rough in three minutes and two seconds. A nice long match to open up the show. Uh, then we saw Monty Brown defeat Brian Gamble in two minutes and 14 seconds after hitting not one, not two, but three pounces. Uh, we'll talk about that, too. He he has, like I said, some good notes here. But um, Then we saw AJ Styles, Austin Aries, and Sanjay Dutt team up to defeat Alex Shelley, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. And he gives this match four stars. That does not surprise me. That was a good, that was a good match. Yeah, so that makes sense to me. Then we saw the uh, Team Canada's Bobby Roode and Eric Young take on Team 3D, but they lost in 14 minutes, 35 seconds. He does give this one a rating as well, two and three-quarter stars. Uh, then we saw the Ultimate X, the the rematch from Bound for Glory because it kind of got screwed up. And we saw Petey Williams win once again by defeating Chris Saban and Matt Bentley in 15 minutes, 13 seconds. He gives this three and three quarter stars. And then finally, the main event, we already talked about it. Jarrett regained the NWA title from Rhino in about 12 minutes, 57 seconds. And he gives this match two and a half stars. Okay, I'm surprised by that because I thought that match was not very good. Yeah, I mean, I think... Just, just from like a chemistry standpoint, like I don't think they met now. I think it's important to note during his write-up here, I don't know if it goes into his star rating necessarily. I feel like it shouldn't if it does. But he does include the entire post-match segment that we saw. Where, like, T3D's laid out backstage, handcuffed and bloody, and, and like, the interference, the distractions and all this. So there's, I mean, all the stuff that happens. I don't think think you can include that. Unless you specify this is, is including the... I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't say, but it's listed in the same part in the star ratings, not till after. So take that for what you will. Of course, and you, Bob, already said, too. I mean, the, the death sentence was through the table was freaking insane. That was nuts. It was one of the cool spots uh, I think we've seen in a while. But uh, that's the quick rundown. Uh, you would have thought we were watching a pay-per-view. And it kind of was really <laughs> big, big uh, primetime show. So let's go. Uh, let's like you said, they were going to treat it like a clash of champions. I think they I think they did. I think I they did thought, a pretty yeah. good job of doing that. I would say so. Uh, so let's go through some of this. And then, Bob, before we enter today's show, we're going to hit some fucking banger notes, dude. But first, we got to get through what he thought about the show and all the news that goes along with that. So uh, this is from the November 14th, 2005 Observer Newsletter. He says TNA's first of what are likely to be many primetime specials on Spike TV was a hot show, but ended up drawing a disappointing 0.9 rating, which is about 978,000 viewers on November 3rd between 9 and 11 p.m. The number uh, identical to the number of the last episode of Ultimate Fighter when it was moved from its traditional night 
shows that television viewership is based on creatures of habit. And I think that's really important. No, like maybe the number was a little bit lower, but maybe for some reason, some people, if they missed the last episode, they didn't even know it was on on Thursday. So easily. Uh, I think, I think what happens is a lot of people like when you talking about habit, they're not going to go searching for the show. Right. Right. So like for Raw on on Monday, right? If they're going if they go to USA Network on Monday at eight o'clock and Raw's not on, they're not gonna be there and say When is it on? Where is it? Yeah. So if it's on Wednesday, Thursday, whatever, they're not they're just not gonna watch it. Right. There is a routine coming like there is a routine in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I saw like reports recently of like um WWE saying they would be open to coming off Mondays. Insane. I don't know. That would be maybe the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, Monday Night Raw has been going on for 30 years. On Mondays. On Mondays. They, they oh, literally I, cannot move that show. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. At least not for like a long period of time. Like when they do like Raw Thursday because of the preemption or they've done like a Friday Rob is a preemption, but that was in the, like the nine, like ninety-seven. Yeah, but that's different too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just there's that'd be idiotic, and I think that's another thing that hurt, has hurt TNA or Impact through the years. Is they how up. how do you form a routine when at one point it was every year you were changing networks, mm-hmm. you know, and then. And it's not going to be really in our timeline, but like when Hogan Bishop got, got there, they were on Thursdays, and then for three months they went, they went back to, or they went from Monday to Thursday to Monday again to Thursday again, and yeah, and then it's they like, lo- how am I supposed to watch the show? Then when we lose Spike, then we're on fucking Destination America, then we're on Pop TV, and then yeah. like, dude, it was like impossible. Yeah, so it gets to a point where the viewers like, is this even fucking worth it to? find the channel and sometimes the channel is an add-on so it's like do i want to add an additional seven dollars to my bill just so i can watch a show that has consistently been changing nights maybe not and if your name is dallas the answer was yes you are going to find it and you're going to keep watching dallas has left birthday parties to go and watch impact so and mind you you know tivo was definitely a thing he definitely had it so tivo I did not have that. Okay, we had DVR. You had a VHS. I might have had a VCR. Yeah. You could have just recorded it. Actually, um, I got, instead of a VCR at one point for Christmas, I got like a DVD recorder kind of thing. So it was oh, like, you did? Yeah. So oh. I I do technically have some like 2010 TMAs on like a random DVD somewhere. That doesn't surprise me. Which is like kind of funny. So thank yeah. So um, I'm not I'm not really surprised that. They had a, a lower number. Right. And I mean, really, and again, that's that's advertising, right? That's been a TNA failure since day one, is that they yeah. do not advertise their shows. Um, when would there be a commercial for such an event? Probably during their own show, not <laughs> right. during a UFC event or something else that's going to get eyes. You know, they're not going to put it on Raw. Mm-hmm. Um promote it so you're you're literally just advertising within your fan base so if your fan base can't watch it on thursday at nine 
you're not going to have that growth from outside advertising. And I think, and I, I really don't think they ever truly understood that. They thought if we buy these wrestlers to come in, these big names, people will know. But the only way that people will know is if you fucking advertise them. You tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of advertising and all of this too, uh, this is a great conversation and it leads right into literally these next couple points here uh, that Dave says. So he says that how Spike averages a 1.0 rating in prime time. So it was slightly below the network average, uh, but he does note that uh, 22% above what Spike usually does in the time slot with MXC, which is one of the network's strongest shows. Uh, however, Spike did spend a good amount of money on advertising for the show. It didn't have the kind of advertising the UFC primetime specials, uh, which have done between a 1.5 and a 2.5 has received. So they didn't do as much as a UFC kind of thing, but they did try to throw some money at it nonetheless. Yeah, but like, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Why and, wouldn't you just advertise? Now, and I don't mean to cut you off here, but, no, yeah. you know, Nick Aldis just debuted in WWE. And then people were like, who the hell? Like people on Twitter are like, who is this guy? They don't know who he is, but I don't think WWE necessarily was anticipating people to know no. who he was. No, and you could tell because I watched the video on, on Twitter. Triple H announces him, and he's just like walking around ringside. Yeah, so this wasn't like a grand reveal, not like an AJ Styles where it's like, and of course the context of that too is like the show was in fucking Orlando. So people are going to likely know who he was just from the local standpoint. But, you know, People like Sting, okay, when he went to W. people did not know who he was. That's crazy. And, like, there are people who think that Kurt Angle, when he left WWE... Stop wrestling. Yeah, like, where did he go? Well, that's a that's a whole separate thing, too. Yeah. Like, no, but, I mean, I've had people I've worked with be like, <laughs> Ric Flair retired in 2008, and then he has never wrestled again. That is it's really like, n- no, he did. And they'll be like, what? Where? And I'll be like, TNA. And they're like, <laughs> he what's that? Longer. Yeah. And they're like, what is, what do you, what is that? And it's like, are you, are you serious? Like Hulk Hogan was there too. Like what? Yeah. It's pretty wild. You just can't assume that people are going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. Hey, Rhino's here. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to watch defend the title. Just fuck this right. advertise. Um, so he does say that, you know, with all of this stuff, the number was low and they did us money. Um, well, it doesn't matter because Spike is taking this number as far more successful than TNA is. So Spike is happy with it still. Well, then who cares then? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. But management was very disappointed at TNA. But with Spike, they felt going on Thursday, the most competitive night, um, well, that, you know, they felt pretty good. Um, as noted before, while not official, it is extremely likely that TNA will have its first Monday night special on February 13th when Raw is preempted for the uh, dog show, which I feel like happens quite often. <laughs> uh, TNA and Spike have meetings after press time this week and is expected to move from a Saturday night to a primetime slot will be discussed. And it's more a question of when it will happen than if. Okay, so, so I don't. So, like, with the Clash of Champions, I don't think that was necessarily always, like, on a Tuesday or always on a Thursday. Yeah, I don't know if it was. But, into, well, Saturday Night's main event was always on a Saturday. Well, in the name, obviously. Right. Um, but it was also, you know, also a different era. I mean, in 90, 
in the late 80s and um, early to mid-90s, there wasn't necessarily as much competition. Likely. In terms of like right. networks and stuff like that. There were still obviously popular shows. I think for TNA, they would be better off naming their specials for a specific day. So like every three months, it could be like, you know, Thursday night, whatever. Or, you know, yeah. if you want to do a Monday. But I would avoid Mondays because you're going to go up against Raw. And then that's just not, I don't care what you throw out there. Especially here in 2005, we're going in 2006. Right. <laughs> Raw will just annihilate you. Either, no matter what. Yeah, for sure. So I would probably go for like a Thursday yeah. or something. No, I think, if that's too competitive, like a Wednesday, go Wednesday then. Like whatever. Right. Exactly. Um, now, Dave does say here as a show, uh, the most notable thing to me was how the two hours sped by. So I mean, I quick. think it would, you know, fell quick. He says both Raw and SmackDown drag most weeks, even during the good shows. Part of it is because of the freshness of the product. Part is because what usually drags on Raw are bad matches, and this had nothing close to that. Uh, long backstage vignettes and long interviews. So uh, this show focused on in-ring, which I think they do for quite some time. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing I've noticed is, you know, I, I, I've watched or reviewed quite a bit of the, uh, like the first um, eight months of the initial brand extension or expansion, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think they call it the brand extension, the draft and all that. Um, and, and getting into this era, the the problem with the brand split is it drags because it's repetitive. You are going into Raw knowing the handful of guys that you're going to see each and every week, and there's only so many times that you can shuffle up matchups before you run out of matchups that are fresh. And that has always been a major, major gripe for me that people praise these brand splits. And then guess what? Within, I mean, sometimes it's within 48 hours that they break the brand split because they're too, it's too restrictive. Right. You know, it's not hard to not book the same matches that you did on raw to not do on SmackDown. If you don't, you don't need all the same. Like Bruce Pritchard would be like, well, you know, we were oversaturated. You know, we've had Stone Cold on Raw and SmackDown. And I'm thinking to myself, listening to him talk about then don't book them. Right. You don't well, need them on SmackDown every week. You don't need them on Raw every week. Well, Why I think that, like that? that's one of the things for me is like with the, with the brand spread, even when they don't do it, like WWE will still be like, Okay, we just saw the match on Raw. You're gonna see the same exact match on SmackDown, and it's like, what are we doing? Literally, I swear to God, there was a time, and I'm, I'm tempted to even try to find it on the network. There, I swear to God, there was a time I was watching Raw. It was Roman Reigns in the Miz, and they literally oh. advertised during the match that there would be a rematch of the same match on SmackDown. Yeah, I don't and the match was not over. And I was just sitting there going, are you, are you nuts? Are you nuts? I am not, I am not, if I'm, if I'm watching it right now and there's no added stipulation, it's not like, Hey, the, the, you know, Reigns and Miz are going on here tonight on Raw, but on SmackDown, it's a cage match. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's the same fucking match. It's the same two people that are wrestling again in four days. Right. Right. Yep, I agree. I don't. I don't care what them. It could have been 2005, and they'd be like, "Oh, it's uh, Eddie Guerrero against Rey Mysterio here on Raw, but on SmackDown they're going to do it again." I'd be like, you know, I. They're great, but I would like to see something different. And yeah, if that right. different would be like Vito against Funaki, call me crazy. I'd watch Vito and Funaki because I need my pa- I need a palate cleanse. I need something different. I can't do the same thing over and over again. Vito and Funaki. It's <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, it always is. Big Vito. <laughs> um. I can't wait to review a Velocity from like 2006, and that's a match. And I'll just like I'll send you a message like, see. See, there it is. Palette cleanse. Palette cleanse. <laughs> uh, Dave says that when it was all over, there's little to complain about uh, for this primetime special. He says he's not a fan of hot shotting titles with a short reign, but the mistake, if there was one, was made when they panicked and felt because Kevin Nash wasn't showing up that they had to put the belt on Rhino. Uh, anyways, uh, given what the company's long-term, long-term plans are, Jeff Jarrett, for now, is a better choice than Rhino, he thinks. Um, people did get to see a title change on TV and it shouldn't, it should be played up big and ensuing shows what a big deal that was. And now this is a pretty interesting little fact here, Bob TNA can, uh, make the claim. It was the first time the NWA title changed hands on a free U S television show since Ron Garvin beat Ric Flair in 1987 in Detroit. And that was on TV on free TV, US TV. I didn't know that. So that is kind of a big deal. So now I'm <laughs> I, curious if we will hear that at some point. But Oh, well, the professor will likely tell us. That's fascinating. I didn't know Garvin B. Flair on TV like that. Um, I kind of, I okay, I know I think the last time that we were talking about this, we were talking about how like, Rhino should maybe give a run or whatever. I tend to agree with, with Meltzer on that, that like maybe we're better off with Jared. But I'm, with a statement to follow here, if Rhino was a heel, I think that would have been the better move. Yeah, I agree. Rhino as a baby face, I don't think is a great champion. Well, we're never, we're never going to find out. We never know. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll know him as a, a two week baby face champion. But I think as like the guy that would get right into the camera, grinding like, his teeth like you motherfucker, like you know, yeah, ECW yeah. type of Rhino. I think that could have been captivating. I mean, he was captivating in the few months that he was a heel in dna mm-hmm. now yeah totally but we all should we can all agree that monty brown monty brown is fucking money damn right dude he and should have been the champion it's very frustrating having watched this since the beginning and you know continually see that he should have been the champion well here's continually like it for me like reviewing stuff I, i'll watch a show and I could not watch one again for three weeks. But on this fucking podcast, I'm watching a show, at least one, every week. Right. So I'm literally seeing how it's so happening in real time. Rapid fire of like, oh, we just put the title on him right here. He's like, oh, fuck. Oh, wait, here's another opening. But like, he's not ready. And it's like, well, what are you guys talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, as it, as expected, um, on this thing, the standout matches 
were the two X Division matches. Uh, the other standout thing was the crowd in Orlando, Dave says, which was hot for the whole show and made it come across like this was a legitimate new thing and the hotter rising promotion with more innovative stars as opposed to a minor league thing. They also made a lot of new wrestlers appear to be stars, most notably Monty Brown. Uh, there was a lot of discussion and even controversy internally because Brown was booked to use the pounds three times on Brian Gamble. Now, what's interesting about this is, so the crowd reacted to Brown uh, Brown like he was a big deal. Now, after the first one, they chained it to him to do it again. And so he did. And then they wanted him to do it again, and he did. And then, uh, so for the third time, it actually came across like he was giving the fans what they wanted as opposed to it being the booking idea, when really it was booked <laughs> to do that. But it did. It felt natural that the crowd was, like, chanting for it. So he was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> So they're are they upset that oh no are the well, bookers upset so, that it was not seen as their idea? Well, no, no, they're good with this. But here's the thing. So okay. veterans who were close with Brown, most notably guys like BG James and Sean Waltman, tried to tell him that he would weaken his finish if he had to do it three times. Now Dave says I oh told my God. So let yeah, exactly. Oh, so Dave come on. I know the content. Okay, again, exactly. Context. Exactly. He didn't need to hit it three times to beat the guy. He hit it three times because he can. Exactly. And so Dave says he totally disagrees with this because oh, yeah. because it was clear that he had Gamble beat after the first one. Yeah, there he go. had him beat after a fallaway slam for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah, um, and bec- yeah. because he looked like he had him beat after the first one, it just emphasized that the move which got over. And one can argue, uh, he kind of goes into this, like, the silliness of uh, move as a finisher anyways, but most finishers are silly and unrealistic because, you know, it's wrestling. Okay, the pounce is definitely a realistic move. I know, I know. Well, he's saying, he's arguing about the old stars kind of thing. Oh, what they're saying? Yeah, so here, let me me read the riff here for you. So, um... So he says the one can argue the silliness of a move as a finisher, but the reality is most finishers are silly and unrealistic. The ones they get over are the ones that are to put over strong by the announcers and work against the big stars, not the ones that would actually work in real life situation, which as reality has taught us would be limited to punches, knees, elbows, kicks to the head, or mostly arm bars and chokes. The funniest part of veteran wrestling is when they preach realism. Most of what is preached is not realism. Uh, but just how things were done in the past. We've seen realism, and most old-school finishers are no more realistic than the spectacular modern finishers, and mostly what gets over is what is put over. And I totally agree with what Bob said. The pounce is fucking pretty realistic, so it's literally a football tackle. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's funny, like, Waldman and BG James saying that, because if you, even I guess now, you know, in this era of TNA, but in any wrestling, even in 2005, 2006, whatever. But certainly now, if you watch WrestleMania, you never will see them hit their finisher one time and win. No way. Ever. I don't know if a finisher, I don't know if you could say the phrase finisher. You watch an episode of Dynamite and you tell Signature me that, move. that, you know what, that's probably a, a better, yeah. People should just be saying that. I mean, I, Brian Danielson could hit Swerve Strickland with a running knee strike, which is, I guess, a, a finishing hope move for him. Four times, and he's going to kick out. 
Yeah. And we're supposed to believe the shocked face of like, oh my god, what? It's like, dude, you ha- you you hit him three other times. Right. This should not be a, a shocking development. Yeah. But it's a different it's a different storytelling. I mean, WrestleMania, literally WrestleMania. There's like zero transition moves. It's like you do a couple punches, kicks, boom, finisher, kick out, dramatic stare. It's a camera. <laughs> Get up, run the ropes a little bit, right, finisher. Right. Look at the camera. Like, what is going on? There is no like depth to the story. So, PG and Sean Walner are fucking way off on this example for Monty Brown. Right. I'm not. I'm not watching uh, Genesis. Monty Brown's booked on. I think he's booked on, but whatever. The next pay per view that he's booked on, and thinking, oh, uh, if he hits Lance Hoyt with this pump, I don't know if he's going to win. I don't know. Because it took him three times to hit Brian Gamble, even though I know Brian Gamble is <laughs> dead after the first one. And he, but here's the thing, too. Monty Brown pulled him up. Yeah. Monty Brown pulled him up. Gamble did not kick out. Gamble was not getting to his feet. Monty yeah, Brown exactly. picked him up. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Dave says that the biggest negative uh, that he could see to the show was the Team 3D versus Team Canada match. Would have been fine on most shows, but it was worked and handled totally wrong contextually. Uh, He said it was just your standard tag match, complete with the long heel beatdown and even the hot tag behind the referee's back that is overruled, causing more of a beatdown and the battered member of the team. And it ended up going 14 minutes, 27 seconds. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that under normal circumstances, but this was supposed to be a revenge revenge off of humiliation. Uh, whatever impact or effect the funeral segment should have had is completely gone. No way. I disagree as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm just reading what Dave's saying, okay? Uh, it needed to be short, aggressive, and someone being sacrificed for a month with an injury from a devastating finisher. Personally, Dave says, he, I would I would have even had... I wouldn't have even had them wrestle on TV and just done a run-in with Impact. If there was a match, Team 3D probably should have been DQ'd and left their opponents lying in, ta- in tables broken in the context of a short grudge match or if won, but with the same end result of a Team Canada member being hurt. To paint the picture, that AMW will be next to get the same treatment. Instead, it's just a standard tag match angle and really means nothing now. And another quick side note about that match as I'm sure Bob has plenty to say about this. Um, I was going to say it during the match, um, actually, but there was a note um, that apparently Bubba got some heat on him for that match for taking liberties. And, uh, you know, it was said that while a lot of guys work stiff with each other, that know each other, like Samoa Joe, in uh, Brother Ray's case here, it came out, uh, came out of nowhere where guys didn't see it coming. And one time when he threw Rude around... Um, he landed badly, so it didn't go very well. So apparently he was getting a little stiffsky in the match. And but there's no heat on Devon, just for the record. It's just Brother Ray. I feel like there's never heat on Devon. It's always on <laughs> Brother Ray. I know. I know. Um, okay. I mean, I I can understand how he sh- would think that Team 3D should act a different type of way, but the injury angle isn't from Team Canada. Correct. It's from AMW. Team Canada was part of the funeral making fun of mm-hmm. Team 3D. I think that's so, kind of, that's where he's like, well, they're humiliating him. So. Yeah, but I, 
okay, coming off of that funeral segment, I'm actually looking forward to seeing a Team 3D AMW match for what Team 3D could do. Now, if the first, or I guess the second time that Team 3D and AMW meet in a tag team match, the first one since the funeral, if that is a more formula old school tag team match, Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I think you there's something to be maybe frustrated about. If it's a just you know a grudge like brawl whatever, and there's like a DQ or something, I can live with that because then Team 3D's emotion got the best of them, whatever. So you can right, you, right. you can still drag the sucker out. So if they have a you know they have the six man on uh, the Genesis tomorrow night. If you have a tag team match in December at um, turning point. You can do a DQ finish there, no doubt about it. And I'm and I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, that sucks, because of, for the story it makes sense. And then you would have one, and you could have another match in January, if that's how you want to, you know, book it out. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to form that type of opinion until I see how they go doing that you know that first match between them since the funeral i'll tell you right now anytime like okay triple h running you know was a part of running down steve austin with the car right Mm -hmm. you probably don't start a match with a wrist lock right right so and if i go back and watch that match that they had if there's a fucking wrist lock within the first 20 seconds there's a problem but i feel like they did not do that um in this instance with AMW and Team 3D, if the first, you know, if they lock up and it's like, oh, here's a hammer lock, I'm going to be like, there's no way. There's no way. I don't, it should just be Team 3D is introduced. AMW during their Team 3D charges after them. Brawl. Right. I mean, that's how you do it. That's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, again, I don't, uh. mm-hmm. Team, I mean, Team Canada are, are jerks, but they were just making fun of them. Not, right. hey, we're trying to, we're the ones that took you out. Yes, yeah, totally. Um, a few more quick things about the last show, and then Bob, I got some heavy hitters for you, and then we're gonna get into the show. So it's been a lot of good stuff here to kick us off. Is it? Are these? The, is there a note in here that you said that I was gonna be mad about, or did that already happen? You know, I don't. I think I tease you and you assume you're going to be mad about something. I don't know if I actually have anything that's going to make you mad. Okay. That sounds about right. I think I definitely no. do assume I'll get mad. No, because I just I just scrolled quick. I don't think anything's going to make you mad here. Um, so one thing is, uh, he says the other thing. So we're still talking about the other negative now is the two backstage segments, one with Raven being taken out early by security and another with three life crew getting beaten down by Team Canada with hockey sticks were terribly rushed and looked cheesy as hell. Now, the good part of the TNA presentation is they do so little backstage, but the bad part is almost everything they do backstage is so rushed in and out that it's not effective. So, I I mean, I think the Raven thing was fine to me. The The Team Canada beat down on... Three life crew. I see what he means that it looked cheesy. I get it. The the Raven one where he was escorted out. Yeah, I don't. I feel like that was fine. That that came across a little rushed. I uh, guess because he was like talking and then they just rushed in. And took him yeah, out, the right? way that yeah, the, yeah. the way it fl- the way that it flowed into having it. Yeah, it okay. was like what the fuck? Like that was really weird. Um, the three life crew one. 
I don't think that really bothered me. I thought the Team 3D one was good. No, he didn't say anything about Team 3D. He didn't say anything about them getting laid out? No. Only uh, I think he talked positive about it, but I skipped. I didn't even mention that. Okay, yeah. He was like, that like, was a good one. That was good. Um, and this this uh, final thing about the show, you're not going to believe this one, Bob. This is like, this is crazy shit to me. This is LOL TNA at its best. Oh, God. He says, the WCW moment of the show was an ad for the Genesis pay-per-view show that billed Jeff Jarrett as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, which aired an hour or so before he won the title, basically giving the main event finish away. Um... <laughs> No. And it wasn't fixed on the replay show four nights later. He says oh. there's no excuse for something like that to happen. My only thought, and I and I just thought about this, this now is, reading that's it again. Before, remember? Yeah. Yes. Uh, a yeah. weekly pay-per-view, I yeah. think. I think it was. There's some something weird like that. Um Yeah, I, there was a video package. We were like, we don't know that yet. Yeah, oh, because it was a taped one. It was like Skipper yeah. was like, yeah, something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah, because Skipper became the number one. Oh, it's not like an impact then because Skipper became a number one contender. Oh, yeah. And we we're like, we don't know that. Yeah, <laughs> that was so bad. For Destination X, I think. Yeah. Or whatever, so, whatever when he fought Daniels. I'm going to lock down maybe. I'm going to try to give this one a pass for one reason. Because Jarrett, if it was initially planned that he was retaining the title at Kevin Nash, against Kevin Nash, they probably already had this ready and they probably forgot about it and didn't change it. So he was going to be the champion going into Genesis. But it's still pretty freaking bad. Yeah. No, that's that's just not paying attention to the edit. A, exactly. Yeah. So not necessarily um, a great thing. Um, As a viewer, though, like if I was watching that and then that fucking thing, I'd be like, what's <laughs> the point? I mean, I, well, right, right. You know, they're not. Of, of course, Jeff Jarrett's winning. You're telling me that he's going to be the champion you of Genesis. told me. Exactly. Um, and you know the, the all these specials and stuff we've been talking about them. Uh, so there is going to be two more primetime specials between now and the end of the year. Apparently, um, there's going to be a special from 10 to 11 p.m. on Thursday, December 8th. Um, so it's not a two-hour one necessarily, but uh, this is because Spike is running the third annual video game award show on December 10th. And the other is this is kind of interesting is a New Year's Eve deal. The plan for Spike is to run. Uh, unleashed at 7 p.m. The TNA special from 8 to 9 p.m. And then the show would feature a big, big angle. Uh, there will be a three-hour UFC special from 9 p.m. to midnight. And as noted before, the original idea was a live special. However, when Spike added the 10-3 UFC show, they ran over their contractual um, allotted for live specials during this year. So the tentative plan is a... Uh, three-hour best of 2005 special and i don't know i think he's talking about ufc here but regardless at midnight there's going to be a 30 minutes like addition to the show of tna which would be uh, the match set up from the angle of the one-hour special and build as the first pro wrestling match of 2006 huh. so it's kind of an interesting deal there it's almost like a, a little two-parter and that and that would be in prime time or so, it just, or uh, like it's just a special themed one. I think it's going to be more. So technically, the special is going to be from eight to nine p.m., and then the match is going to be at midnight after they do UFC stuff. So technically, the eight to nine is kind of the, is the show. 
is the show, and then they're going to do a special match from that as the first match of 2006. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. So you're saying that at like not so it's from eight to nine, or yeah, from eight to nine. So at nine o'clock, they're expecting it to be like, oh hey, you want to see this match of whatever it is of the ang- this mid- big angle? You have to come back at midnight. <sighs> I don't know about that. <laughs> if you I have no, if I you have nothing to do on New Year's Eve, then I guess I don't think I'm doing. I don't think I'm doing that, even if I had nothing to do. <laughs> I really don't. That's funny. That's that funny. would honestly, that would piss me off. I. That's fair because. It's almost similar to like watching, and this has happened before, where you watch like WCW Saturday Night, and I think I think this is an example is accurate. It was Ric Flair and Sting, and they're like, "Oh, we're running out of time, but tune into main event tomorrow at six oh five p.m." And I'm, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna sit here pissed off that you're not t- giving me the match in the allotted time that I'm supposed to be watching the right. show. I'm not going to tune into another show. So if you're expecting me to come back in three hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, Bob, you ready for a big one? I've been teasing. I'm always ready. Hit me with it. Someone has been officially signed to TNA. Christian? Nope. Jackie Gata has officially uh. signed. <laughs> <laughs> So, I thought it was going to be somebody even bigger. So it says, oh. it says, this has been in the cards for months, as there was management directive to get more pretty girls on television. Oh, S- Still, Lord. they have their work cut out for them, in her case, because Dave says, I just can't see... Are they see- not pretty? Is that what he says? No, 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 no. He just says, um, I just can't see where she could be used effectively, and it appears they are forcing pretty girls on the show for the concept of wrestling, uh, that concept of wrestling has little use for. He does note that Tracy Brooks is effective in her spot, and Gail Kim gets a push with the main event heel group, or the main heel group. Um, but it's just there, and uh, it seems out of context. So he's not really feeling good about Jackie coming in. How do you feel about Jackie Gata getting signed here to TNA? Oh, she's not a good wrestler. She had arguably the worst match in Raw history. Whoa. <clears throat> um, it was pretty bad. Well, I'll tell you right now. Manager-wise, uh, I think she's okay. This is actually pretty interesting to me because I have a a giant poster board from the Impact Zone, um, and it's like, come check out the Spike TV tapings, and her face is on it. Right. So I'm really curious to see what she does here, because to be honest with you, dude, I I knew she was there, but I couldn't tell you what she's going to do. I can't can't even think of anything. Yeah, I don't remember what what she does and that makes me wonder if she's even here for a long time well that's what i'm wondering so i and guess we'll see this okay so jackie gay is coming in i feel like you would have to bring in charlie haas her husband i think that makes sense right i yeah i mean i'd have to think charlie haas is not a bad wrestler he's i no, no i actually I, really enjoy his work i like him especially yeah. around this time um, Maybe not when he's impersonating guys every week. Well, well. Um, okay, Bob, I didn't completely lie to you. There's a bigger one. <laughs> There's a bigger one. Shannon Moore is going to be main eventing. Yeah, you got it. So on November 3rd, 
it is officially a done deal. Christian has signed a contract with TNA Wrestling. On the third. On the third. Okay. So that's important to know because that was literally when the primetime special aired. Right. They will mention it on this episode. So let and me let me dive no into way this. They don't. And guys, this is our final note before we get into the today's show. But this is he'll uh, be there at Genesis. Yeah. So um, he's uh, have, okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep cutting you off. But here's the thing: you have a guy like Christian coming in. They will absolutely mention it on this episode. And they should be like, he'll be at Genesis. So I'm literally about to read almost that exact same thing because Dave talks about that right here. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, because you're right. Um, So it's a done deal. He's signed. It's official. We can finally talk about it like we freaking know because duh. But um, he's going to be used as uh, used on top. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, And he even says as if there could be any doubt. Um, now, instead of teasing on television or announcing it ahead of time on television, the company thought it would be was more beneficial to send out an internet release saying that they had signed someone from WWE without mentioning the name. Oh, so, my God. So, <laughs> Jackie Gata. Jackie. Um, now, Dave pretty much says what Bob was just saying here. Uh, he says, I can't come up with one idea that would boost pay-per-view buys more than going on television uh, the last night before the show and specifically saying that Christian will debut. Uh, it would mean more than we have a surprise because people have been taken so many times <laughs> with that line that they don't believe it. Right. So instead, they are all caught in the bubble thinking that the Internet is more valuable than television and caring more about surprising uh, people more than getting people to spend money on the product. Now, most likely, um, they tripled the buys last month for Bound for Glory which tells you the value of the internet versus television in 2005. Because they're saying, because now they have television of Spike. Um, But to continue uh, the Christian thing, one final part here. Christian on November 3rd turned down a $4,000 payday for one indie show. Uh, He said, and it says here, I hope they resist the inclination to either put him in Team Canada or try to force feed him as a heel, or at least at first. Uh, because he's going to be a gigantic face when he starts. Oh, yeah. And instead of fighting the crowd, they should go with it. Uh, when he's no longer a gigantic face, if and when that happens, they consider uh, then consider going heel with him. Uh, I just sense the mentality they think is they need a heel world champion and a baby face chases, and Christian can fill the Jeff Jarrett spot while being fresher and because he is technically a damn good heel promo. I mean, that is true, but the Captain Charisma thing in, in WWE, I'm telling you, he was getting over big time as a babyface. So coming in here, he, he absolutely should be a babyface. Right. 100%. And yeah, he is a great heel promo or whatever, but no. Yeah. He's got to be. Initially, he's got to be a babyface. No, I, I think I agree. Um, okay, that was a lot. We covered a lot there. There's a lot of really good stuff. And um, for a go-home show uh, to Genesis, I think that um, I don't know how much more excited we could get now. Christian signed. Jackie Gate is here. (laughs) Anything's possible. Um, We have a couple more things we'll talk about during the show, but nothing, I will tell you right now, nothing as big as Christian being signed. I mean, that's huge. That is... That's got to be the biggest... I mean, this is signing so far. 
easily. Easily. I mean, like I said, like I said last time, like it's bigger than Jeff Hardy. This is a big. This is a really big deal. Yeah. As we're gonna see. Yeah. No, it does. Oh, you know what? Okay, I know what it was. I was gonna say. So he was saying he hopes that they don't put him in Team Canada because he's Canadian. I know. I know. There's no fucking way that that would cross any of those guys' minds. Like, oh, put him in Team Canada. I never There's even thought no of that way. idea until I read that doing the notes here. Been like, I never would have thought that. No way. There's no way that Dutch Mantel and Jeff Sher or something they're like, do we put him in Team Canada? There's no way, right? Yeah. There's I don't no think. way. I don't think so. I do not think so. They'll probably tease it. If he comes to the face. Mm-hmm. They'll probably tease that connection with the more, you know, I'm sure they'll tease it. Right. But there's no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Bob. His first impact match, I bet you, will be with Robert Roode. Robert, Robert Roode. There you go. I bet you. There you go. Okay, Bob, let's watch some impact. Now I'm extra hyped because now we can talk about Christian. Yeah, I mean, they if they do not mention this on this episode and say, hey, he'll be a Genesis, I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, I know. What are we doing? Like, we're not I just, good at marketing. I just like how fast this turned around. It went from literally, I, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but it was like, hey, uh, he's gone from WWE. He, his contract is up. And it was like, he could literally just, he could just his last, look. The last uh, last episode. And look at saying that. that he, was, he was finishing up and there were signs in the crowd yeah, to and, re-sign him. And literally, here we are. We now signed he's... him that fast. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. Doesn't get better than that. Yeah. No, he's definitely. All right. Now I'm, I'm okay. I'm really curious to see how those go. All right. It's time for impact. November 12th, 2005, the go home show before Genesis, which is taking place tomorrow. Uh, if you want to watch along with us, head over to the impact plus app, or you can find your own personal collection. The runtime for this, or at least our version is 40 minutes and 53 seconds. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say play, that is when our watch along shall be. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. This is TNA. Uh, Bob, there was an explosion match that I probably should have mentioned last week because it took it aired on November 11th, 2005. And it was three life crew, all three members defeating all three members of the diamonds in the rough in a six man match. Um, and also, fun fact, as we're seeing highlights, by the way, of the primetime special, is there was one other dark match that I, I don't seem to have a place for. Um, so I'm going to tell you what it was. And it took place after uh, the taping of the show we're about to watch. Or actually, I'm sorry, there is. Oh, no, that was another one. Dude, there's so many like dark matches. So they filmed Explosion after the show we're about to watch, which was the first explosion we talked about last week, Daniels and Bentley. Then the one we just mentioned, and then there's another dark match. Chris Saban and Shark Boy defeated Roger Strong and Alex Shelley. Um, also, an interesting note about this double two day taping is after that Naturals injury that took place on the 25th, the Christopher Daniels and Jarrell Clark squash match that we saw was actually taped the next day on the 26th, which ended up taking its spot. We noted that last week. So, kind of weird this double taping schedule. They kind of mixed and matched where they needed to, but they got it done. We just saw the normal intro package. Do you... 
Ah, see, it sounded like it was a voiceover to me, Mike Tanay. So I was wondering if they were about to slip it in. That's definitely a voiceover. I'm wondering, are they going to slip something in? No. Your 60-minute adrenaline rush is next. Okay, he just told us about, um, I think. Well, that's absolutely a voiceover. That's not him. Yeah, that was weird. We're wasting the entire pyro budget here to kick us off. I mean, I get that pyro is expensive and it's a waste of money, but it does hype you up. Oh, yeah. We're kicking off with a promo by the Alpha Male. He's coming out in street clothes. So at the at the taping, they didn't have him signed. Correct. Because they taped these on 1026, the show we're watching today. It's got to be like a video package or something. You have to mention it. You have to. If we don't, it would be a mistake. I would be shocked. Tomorrow night, Genesis, we're getting a little preview there. I would be seriously shocked if they didn't do it. Monty Brown leaving a scent on the top rope. Which, if you're not watching it, probably sounds really bizarre. Welcome to the Serengeti. I might have a Monty Brown note, but... Oh, he's the most dominant male in this business. Everyone knows. He's destroyed and dismantled everyone that's come into his path. He not only demands a title, or sorry, he deserves, he demands the title shot. Crowd booing him. Jeff Jarrett. Congratulations on winning your title. I do have a Monty Brown now. I'll tell you after we hear what he has to say. It's an interview. If there's anyone more deserving than the alpha male, let them come out here and prove it. I I think you need his shirt, Bob. This I cannot le- pull that off. Leopard print striped gold shirt. I mean, it's impressive. I can't. I cannot pull that off. Easily, especially the new hair stuff. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Jarrett's going to feel the pounds. Period. Oh, Abyss. And Mitchell's on the mic. Okay, I did not expect this. Stop the presses. Mitchell is a pro's pro. He's wearing a different suit. Striped, potentially black suit. <laughs> he says that his brains might be scrambled. I'm so confused right now. So Abyss is out here. Well, Monty Brown said if someone, someone is, they're more deserving to come out, and here's Abyss. I have a feeling we are about to see a Genesis number one contender match if I was going to just make a wild guess. Yeah, but Abyss is fighting Sabu. Oh, shit, you're right. Three-way? I don't know about that. Is this for someone who has not one but two Super Bowl wing rings that oh, you whine and complain a lot? 
He doesn't have any rings. Mario Brown has been to two Super Bowls. He didn't win them. Oh, maybe that's why he's one with the Bills and one with the Patriots, but they both lost. You are a world class athlete. You are one of the very few elite deserving of an NWA title shot. At least we can admit it. You listen to me and you listen good. There is one, one man more deserving of a world title shot than you. And that's a six foot eight, 350 pound weapon of mass destruction. The monster, the abyss. Go show him abyss. Okay, we're about to see some fight then. You think that he's uh, deserving, Matt? You think Abyss? Oh, boy. Here comes Jeff Hardy. Are we about to get a Monsters Ball rematch? I hope not. Um, Abyss? Yeah, you probably get a title shot. What about this guy right here? Jeff, Jeff Hardy. Jared ain't going to give him one. Jeff Hardy does not. No. We're in all white. He's really mixing it up. Um, You know, I have a question for you. Dale. Yeah. So I, you know, I just finished up my reviews of the 2007 uh, Impact. Year. Oh, okay. Full year. Um, I'm not trying to be vague about it because you know at some point we'll get to it. But yeah, so minor spoilers ahead, guys. As Monty Brown and Abyss beat up on Hardy, who just got in the mm-hmm. ring, and I'm so assuming Sabu will heal them. Sabu will come on in a second, but yeah, he definitely will. We're getting a tag match or something. Uh, what the? F- he just did a double clothesline, but neither one of them fell. Okay. No. Yeah. I actually really like this look for Hardy. By the way, all white. He's painted like on his chest and arms. He's got blue hair. I think this is a cool-ass look. So when Abyss arrived in TNA, Father James Mitchell was also there, right? Yeah, because the new church. Yeah, but I'm saying like they were both like on screen. Not together, but like... Yeah, yeah, they, they were, were there. both characters. Okay. I thought so, because I think there's a continuity issue. Oh, okay. I mean, unless unless I'm remembering incorrectly, but uh, Jeff Hardy just double drop kicked both Monty Brown and Abyss after they started fighting each other. Now security is pulling them all apart. I can't believe Sabu didn't come out right here. Still to come. Oh, wait, what? AJ versus Petey Williams? Isn't that, shouldn't that be a Genesis match? Uh, Jeff Jarrett and AMW against Chris Saban, Lance Hoyt, and Jeff Hardy? Well, dude, we got a pretty big show ahead still. What the fuck? Um, here, we're going to see another highlight package. Let me give you this, abyss, or, sorry, Monty Brown interview from the Wrestling Epicenter radio show. He said his first uh, TNA run in 2002 was cut short because nobody had any idea what to do with him or knew what his character was all about. He explained that the character came from the from inside of him, and he really believed it. So that's important. Um, <laughs> the when, character came from inside of him? Where else would it come from? I don't know. Um, we're seeing a, this is about Elimination X, by the way. We're seeing a high package about. Um, he also says when asked uh, if he was upset about WWE guys coming in and potentially taking spots, he said as long as someone came in and took a spot through their in-ring ability, he was fine with that. If they took a spot through politics, that was bad. But the bottom line, he said, was the product. And whoever helped the product deserved whatever spot they got. Not a bad answer, I don't think. Yeah. 
Seems like it was well said. I thought so. Well thought out. Uh, Samoa Joe is coming out right now. I don't. Did they actually announce anything in that eliminate Eliminator X video thing they just showed us? No, I think it was just a package. Okay. Oh wait, they're staying on commentary. The first ever Elimination X matchup. Samoa Joe's opponent here on Impact is Austin Aries. I still cannot believe how long his run has been here in early TNA. Oh, eight-man tag team action. When you lose or pin or you submit, you're eliminated. And we're so and this is at the pay-per-view? Yeah, so it's an eight-man tag match. But it's like eliminate. Okay, I, I don't know, dude. Yeah, this I, whole time. Um, all right, wait a minute. Oh, this is our first match, isn't it? Yes, it is. And Daniels is on commentary. This whole time, I was like, "Oh, why have I not been doing indie notes?" And it's no, this is the first. We haven't match. had a match for the first like ten. Really, minutes. a rarity. I mean, ten minutes forty eight seconds into the show, and we're on our right. first one. That's pretty yeah, rare that, here. Yeah, I was going to say, usually it's like the first thing that we get is a match. Um, all right, so Austin Aries uh, has had a few things to do as we were on the 12th. Okay, so on November 4th, Austin Aries defeated Alex Shelley at Ring of Honor Showdown in the Motown in Detroit, Michigan. The next night on the 5th, uh, the Embassy, which is Abyss, Alex Shelley, Jimmy Rave, and Prince Nana, defeated AJ Styles, Austin Aries, Jack Evans, and Matt Seidel in a warfare match at Vendetta in Chicago Ridge. Uh, then on the 11th, Sean Waltman defeated Austin Aries at FIP's Strength in Numbers that same night. Uh, Austin Aries teamed up with Adam Pierce and Shane Hagedorn to defeat Altaboy Luke, a man that we do not speak of, and Seth DeLay. And then the last one here also took place on the 12th. Jarrell Clark, Roderick Strong, Sal Renaro, Sean Waltman, and Tony Mamluk defeated Adam Pierce, Austin Aries, Brian Danielson, Jimmy Rave, and Samoa Joe in an elimination match, in a match that went 49 minutes and 44 seconds. That's that's a long one. Yeah, Look at them at, show Daniels at the commentator table, and they're playing the match behind them. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not actively watching the match. Why would they do that? I just think it's funny it's that it, it was it's behind in front them. Of. Well, I, well, it's I know, but why are they showing it behind them? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Samoa Joe also was on these Ring of Honor shows, and I already mentioned the FIP one, so I don't need to repeat that one. Oh. On um, the fourth at Showdown Motown, Christopher Daniels defeated Adam Pierce, Jimmy Jacobs, and Samoa Joe. And then the next night, Samoa Joe defeated Christopher Daniels at Vendetta. Mm. Now, this is a uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle 2004 rematch. Interesting which the diehards would know that Austin Aries won the title, the Ring of Honor title, by defeating Samoa Joe in a pretty big Ring of Honor moment. Well, he's about to lose right now because Joe's about to have the muscle buster. This has been a good match, by the way. It has, and he... Is he really going to beat him like that? No, because uh, no, he's going to hit the coquina clutch. 
Oh, that was a quick wow. tap. That was, yeah. That's called trading trading wins there. So he beat him at final battle 2004 in front of uh, people who probably like, what, 300 people? And then. Uh, I think it was a little more than that. But yeah. Okay. I'm just making numbers up because I actually don't know. But the, he beat him in front of a paying audience and Samoa Joe beat him in front oh, of a live studio audience. And about a million people watching at home. Joe is staring off with Christopher Daniels, and he's looking pissed. They're going to be tag team partners, apparently, at Genesis. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, they were partners. Um, Can you explain this match to me right now? Are we about to see the X Division title defended on Impact instead I, of tomorrow on Genesis? No. I think what they're doing is... Uh, today was talking about like Canadian Destroyer against the Styles Clash. So I'm wondering yeah. if it's like... A finisher versus finisher thing. Hmm. Special challenge. Yeah, I think it might. Okay. Be. Oh, there you go. Finisher versus finisher. So Larry Zabisco and Scott Demore are talking about this. So is it just a match or is it like who hits it first? I don't know. I don't know, dude. Let's. Team Canada, three life crew. I love it, Larry. Oh, he's got an idea for him. Let's Canadianize it. Oh, a pole on every corner. Oh, there's a hockey stick on every pole. Oh, hockey sticks on every every post? For the match of Genesis? Yeah. He wants to Canadianize it. <laughs> it's up to you. I'm just going to help you out. I'm just thinking about the buy rate, he says. He goes through the roof. All right, we'll put the hockey hockey sticks up. Wait a second. Oh, there you go. It's official. Kip James is the special referee. And Todd Demore does not like that part. No, that's okay. I don't think I would be watching this show thinking hockey sticks is going to make me buy the show. Well, no. can't win it all. Oh my god, it's her friend Lex LeVette. Lex he has hair. Lavette. He's kind of looking like Karrion Cross right now. Yeah, he did, dude. And his opponent, Kip James. Um, we just saw Larry Zabisco. Um, and so, interestingly enough, Bob, one of the reasons that Spike I'm Kip is... Kip James, bitch. That's a I great shirt. I love that shirt. Uh, one of the reasons Spike is strongly behind TNA is because Morphoplex is spending $200,000 per month to sponsor the shows. Oh, uh, my God. And Spike gets that money, which is why TNA isn't buying the time. Because if it was, then TNA would keep the sponsorship money. So, that, so that's our proof, then. There you go. There you go. I knew it. I fucking knew it. There was no way they were paying for that. Paying for this time slot. No way. Correct. That's shocking, though. I can't believe that they're getting the whole 200 grand per month to Spike TV. Wow. From Morphoplex, of all things. Yeah. What's I wonder how long it is. I wonder how long it's a thing. I know. I'm wondering that, too. Well, that's showing off some offense here. Dropkick. Whoa, whoa. Back handspring elbow. Is this guy China? And that handspring back elbow in the corner. <laughs> 
Lex Levette semi-retired pro wrestler, only doing some impact shots here and there on the weekends. Well, no, he doesn't work weekends, right? I think it's only he works during the week. Oh, except this is on like a. When are they taping this? Is this a Tuesday? So he yeah, must have got a special. Oh, what's this? The one I'm Kip one. James, bitch. And then he hits it. <laughs> I'm assuming that's it. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I just think it's funny because he's saying I'm Kip James, bitch, but he switched his name to Kip James to taunt BG James. No, his Bob Armstrong gave him that name. No, he he said that as a heel, like Ryan. Oh, here comes the hockey sticks. Oh, the hockey sticks. A1 and Bobby Roode. And Kip is now a good guy. And Oh, and Eric Young. Sorry, I thought that was Demore because I wasn't looking at him. Does Eric Young have like a black eye, or is it just me? Mm, I'll take a look again. His left eye looks like it's. Holy shit! BG with a chair, but he A one ducked. Face by A one was hilarious. Yeah, it was. Killings with a chair as well. Where's Conan though? Ah, there he is with the shoe. Own shoes. Whipping it at Eric Young, who's taking punches from every member of Three Life Crew. Oh, flare bump on the concrete. Concrete. Look at this. Conan is watching BG and killing Skit in the ring with uh, Kip James. Oh, boy. Oh, I thought he was going to get a microphone. Thank God. They just played his music instead. Oh, man. Poor BG James. Ooh, Kip, and Conan, Conan pissed, is like, even though nah, he dude. came out with them. Kip has done nothing wrong. He just refuses to accept him. Yeah, he's he's a little grumpy right here. I think Conan's just mad because Kip is someone that you can trust, and he's just like, no, I don't want to. Right. So I'm pissed. Still to come, we've seen this graphic four times, and up next is this weird challenge thing. I really don't know why we're doing it. Um, as we're heading toward that, Bob, I want to tell you that the Impact show on October 31st drew a .6 rating, which is the best number in the Monday Night Replay slot so far. In the 18 to 49 age group, the male-female split is 74-26 male, a far higher percentage of males than WWE. Well, I mean, I guess that's good. Probably because we're on, like, the guy channel, Spike TV. And speaking of the Monday night slot here, uh, for those hoping that TNA would get the Monday night show moved to 11 p.m. when the Ultimate Fighter season is over, the plan now is to run Unleashed, with a first-run episode at 10 p.m. against Raw, a previously aired episode at 11 p.m., and an impact at midnight. Spike will be promoting the three hours as must-bleed TV. Yeah. Okay. PD's in the ring. Here comes AJ Styles. PD's he's got, a champion. PD's got an indie note here. He was involved in the Elite Eight tournament for EWR, not the... Uh, Oh, oh, not the PC game, but his actual company in Quebec, Canada. In the first round, he actually won the EWR title when he defeated XS. And in the semifinals, he defeated El Generico. And in the finals, Kevin Steen defeated Petey Williams to win the Elite Eight tournament and also the EWR title. Wow. And then AJ, let's see what AJ Styles is up to. Hopefully something fun. Uh, 
So I mentioned the Warframe match already from the 5th. On the 4th at Showdown Motown for Ring of Honor, AJ Styles teamed up with Matt Seidel to defeat Abyss and Jimmy Raven. Nice. Oh, oh, Styles Clash. No, Petey slipped out. So the whole point of this is just one of them hits their finisher. Is that what we're doing here? I, I'm assuming so, but I feel like they need to like actually wrestle in order to hit the move. Yeah, this is weird. Um, so I have like, AJ Styles note as well uh, for you, Bob. So it's like, I feel like, yeah, we're definitely going to be getting basically a match here. Yeah, here we go. Irish up in the corner. Close line. Um, so Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles will both be appearing at the Spikes uh, Video Game Awards show on December 10th. The Rock is also going to be on the show, which is a little Ooh. interesting crossover there for you. And speaking of video games, we talked about Midway Games officially uh, getting the, the TNA deal. Well, the project is scheduled to ship in 2007. So in just two years, Bob, you can play the TNA. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Bob that, made a joke that you wouldn't have it for that long. And it's literally even here in 2005 saying you'll get it in 2007. <laughs> nice dropkick by G Styles. Well, hey, you know what? At least they got a game, right? Right. That's all that matters. Throwing AJ Styles head against the turnbuckle, couple chops here. Boom, right hand. Boom, another one. I have a hot take for you, quick, Bob. It might not be that hot to you necessarily, but some other Impact fans watching, it might be. I think Scott Demore is a significantly better annoying manager than he is an authority figure in current day Impact. Because I really do not enjoy him as an authority figure. I haven't really seen his authority figure stuff. It's like fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'll I'll tell you what, I'll take him over Santino Morella. Well, yeah. Pele kick. So, I mean, not to talk about 2023 impact here, but are they both authority figures? Well, Scott Demore is like, I think he's, I think he's the president, isn't he? I can't remember. Yeah, he would be, yeah. So he's like the Eric Bischoff of what WCW was. Right? right. So I think since Santino has come in, he has not really been on as an authority figure as much, but I think he's kind of like, has Santino do like the day to day matchmakings kind of stuff well i just remember like uh ww 2000 for instance so there was uh, the commissioner mm-hmm. like the cat was the, and you obviously you've watched that whole run so you know what i'm talking yeah, about then, the, yeah the commissioner was the cat and then you had like rick flair as the president or whatever and it was just like can't rick flair just overrule anything the cat says but instead but they believe- would just argue all the time yeah, but I believe there was like a clarification of somehow of like the cat ruled the in-ring stuff, and then Flair or whom or whoever would rule the out-of-ring stuff, and it's just like, and then that makes no. Then sense. you had Russo too. That's what I'm talking about. Russo, not Flair. It was Russo. No, you're like right though, because Flair did something too. I think. Yeah, he did later on. Yeah, but when my oh, in the God. example in my head, I was thinking it's definitely Russo. And like Russo Bischoff and like Cat would be like, oh no, title match tonight. And it's like, you can't do that. I, I'm the I'm the writer. Ugh. But 
when that should happen, I'd be like, I'd be, I'm sitting here watching. I'd be like, does the audience not realize that Russo is basically saying like he's he wrote this dialogue for yeah. for the cat to tell him that he's gonna do that? Like what? Oh, Moonsault into the reverse DDT. Petey tried to hit the Canadian Destroyer, but was unsuccessful. I'm this is truly, like a really weird tease for Genesis, and I don't know if I really like what's happening. I don't think I like this at all. And it's crazy to say that about an AJPD thing, but... Well, because they're working really weird because they're trying to hit the finishers on each other. Yeah. Oh, the shit. stipulation of this being... I'm assuming, like, if he hits the Styles Clash right here, that he wins the It's match. done. It's done. Correct. But the it referee did... just got pulled. So he went for the Styles Clash. PD grabbed the bottom rope. He kicked him in the back of the head. And then he grabbed the leg of Andrew Thomas, who now is down. And now Demore is getting ringed with the exhibition title. Styles ducks it. Nice and Seguri. Now, Demore got up so quick, of course, Bob, because he is a wrestler. He went 15 minutes with Jerry Lynn. Styles calling for the... <laughs> Styles gone for the Styles Clash on Scott Demore. He got some up, and Petey hit him. Sometimes I feel like that match with Jerry Lynn is still happening. Yeah, that was how slow it felt. Not any fault of Jerry Lynn, by the way. No. Canadian Destroyer Andrew Thomas saw it. Okay. That's super annoying that we have to do a dirty finish in this. Why can't Petey just hit the Canadian Destroyer? He's not actually pinning the guy. He just hits the move. I didn't like that. The thing is that they're going to have a killer match at Genesis, but like this was so yeah, lame. <laughs> and I want to point out, Tanae didn't say his finishing move. He said signature move. There you go. Which is what we were just talking about. However, at this point, That's I don't funny. think anyone's kicked out of there, correct? Out of the Canadian Destroyer? I don't think so. No. I and that's because it's not used as just a transition move. Where I swear to God, dude, I was watching a Limitless wrestling show. There was six guys wrestling, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, they did a spot where all six guys hit the fucking Canadian Destroyer. Wow. Impressive. I wanted to fucking cry. Petey Williams would be so pissed. I know. Uh, let me give you a, a note here. We're seeing that um, NWA title package again. Uh, TNA is said to be planning on running house shows at the old ECW arena in Philadelphia starting in February, on February 6th. At least that's what the rumor in the building, um, although nobody in TNA has confirmed this. Uh, Dave says, I can't stress enough what a terrible idea this is because the shows can't make money and it will devalue the product. And then he breaks down a lot, a lot about it comparing to ECW, but. I think that um, they should definitely take advantage of uh, the arena. I agree. Okay, this makes absolutely no sense. Raven and Larry Zabisco are backstage with Shane Douglas, and Shane is like, I know you guys got a lot of animosity, but uh, instead of just pulling them out, Raven's also wearing no shirt, a jean, or uh, sorry, a leather jacket and jean shorts. So he's changed his look again. Yeah, why does he always change his look? I don't hate this without the shirt underneath because he, he kind of still looks like a badass, but it's kind of weird. Knock. Knock, knock. Okay, I can't even finish that joke. Knock, knock. Yeah, there's no blood. Way. Blood who? Blood gushing out of the deep crater of pain. The crater of pain. 
Oh, he can book Raven any way he wants. Any opponent he wants. I can put you through hell to so he can prove to Zabisco that he deserves a title shot. And it starts at Genesis tomorrow. There's no way the end game here is that Raven gets a title shot. No. Knock, knock. Who's there? Raven. Raven who? You just got to sign the release form, Raven. You're free to do whatever you want. Just get off of my back. If you're staying here, you're going through hell. Oh my god, he's choking Zabisco. Okay, that's that broken up real fast. So, if Raven wants to stay, he has to sign this contract, and then he will go through hell. With Toby Corn to Zabisco. So if so, if he doesn't sign it, he'll go through hell. No, I think if he does, then he's still going to go through hell. No, I think that it's a release, meaning like he'll he's gone, he'll leave. Oh, like you're fired. Yeah, like he's saying like I'll like leave the company. Oh, okay. So if he doesn't, I misunderstood. I misunderstood. If he doesn't sign it, then Sabisco will just make his life a living hell. Interesting. I, uh, I'm really confused with the booking of the show, Dallas. This one is kind of a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, you know the whole uh, PD and AJ thing was bizarre. Didn't like that. And then also, isn't this the first time Jared and AMW are teaming together? Yeah, I guess it is. Why don't we just say that for the pay-per-view? I don't know. I'm also confused. I, mean, I know it's not, it's, not, it's not the match, but like, I would feel like you would want to hold off on that. I'm also kind of confused because Gail Kim is now coming out with Jarrett, and I understand he's the champion, but she has definitely been more featured with AMW. Well, has Jarrett even really rustled on TV? No, I guess not. So AMW. Well, I guess she does. did come out with him last week, didn't? And she was sitting with him at the yeah. funeral, but right. Okay, fine. Giggity giggity gal. Okay. <laughs> I got one more note for you. I mean, two if you want. Kind of a lame one, but um, as Jared's finishing his entrance, but Seth, uh, Pret- hold on, Pet Petruzelli who lost in the semifinals of the Ultimate Fighter, was oh, interested here in TNA. Uh, he's a big fan and trained under Mark Mero. He lives near Orlando and has attended several tapings. Uh, he has uh, he had an in as he met DDP, who set him up with Dusty Rhodes, but it fell through when Rhodes lost his booking position. He has talked of wanting to do indie pro wrestling in the Florida, Georgia area. Okay, so that name... Um... He is the guy that knocked out Kimbo Slice. Oh, okay. So I do know who I do know who that is then. Yeah. He like pink hair or whatever. He he knocked him out with a straight punch right to the face. Right hand punch. Gotcha. Uh Saban, Lance Hoyt, and now Jeff Hardy are coming out next. I can't imagine who's gonna win this match, Bob. I'll tell you right now, Lance Hoyt's taking the fall. Uh I bet that's gonna be Saban. No. Saban they better not. It's gonna be Saban. Lance Wait, is Saban on the pay-per-view? Is he Not in that the, elimination? Yet? He's probably in the eliminator thing. Okay, is Hoyt booked on the pay-per-view? Uh, that, I don't know if we know. I don't remember hearing anything about it. Um, Commercial break. Well, I have one indie note for Saban. Or two indie notes, excuse me. So on the fourth uh, Ring of Honor showdown in the Motown, Brian Danielson defeated Chris Saban. 
Um, I actually might want to watch that match, but I don't know. Uh, November 12th at CZW's Night of Infamy, Chris Saban defeated Mike Quackenbush for the number one contendership of the CZW Ironman Championship. Um, and that's the ending notes. Um, what? I don't know. Saban's starting off with James Storm here. If you want my other lame note, just because it means probably nothing to us, um, Apollo and former valet Havana. I don't know if you know who Havana is, Bob, but Havana. Yeah. No, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who it is. But anyways, um, she retired from wrestling after the two got married. They had their first child this past week. Was she in TNA? No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know a lot of random indie people, so I figured maybe you I've know. Nev- I mean, if if I had to guess, that sounds like somebody that was maybe primarily in Puerto Rico for WWE. Oh, yeah. And I have, yeah. Okay, Lance Hoyt and Chris Harris uh, in the ring now. Big sidewalk slam. And we tags in Jeff Jarrett. We have just over six minutes left in the show. So for a show that makes no sense, I do feel like it's gone by fairly quick still. But Mr. Mr. Hoyt is about to uh, take the fall here. No, he's about to tag out, and Jeff Hardy's in with Jeff Jarrett. Of course, these two are famous for the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match that took place on Rampage. <laughs> I did watch that. <laughs> Yeah, that was bad. All I could think about was Jeff is finally getting a win from when he lost to Jeff Jarrett in 2004, like seven times. And then he still lost, dude. He oh. still he still lost. Jeff, Jeff Jarrett said, Jeff Hardy is not beating me, brother. That's got to be the running gag, right? It has some, It has to be. I don't I'm think he's sure ever beat Jarrett, has he? He has to have. Because didn't they have like a cage match in like 2011 or something that Hardy won? I'm about to find out right now. <laughs> I swear to God, if you look it up and he also lost that one, I'm going to scream. Because I'm pretty Jeff, sure. Jeff Jarrett. Harris with a delayed vertical on Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. The steel cage match right here. Okay. But I need to find I need it on, like, cage match so I can see who won. Oh, here we go. Other matches. Okay. So you're talking about 2011. Yeah. Who won? Final resolution. Okay, he did win. Okay. Jeff Hardy did, in fact, win. Yeah. But now the real question is, did he pin him or did he just escape? Well, I'd have to I'd have to find the match, to, which it's on YouTube. I did, did, did just I did just see it as Jeff Jarrett hits that middle rope crotch move on Jeff Hardy. Let's splash him over the middle rope. Play to the crowd. Ain't I great? And that's so they've only had four singles matches in their whole careers. They've had a couple other um, multi-man confrontations, but they've only had four. Well, according to this, now I'm looking at this though, and like they don't even list this match, but they're both in it against each other technically. Well, because like there's obviously Victory Road, then there's the special, mm-hmm. which was a cage. Texas Chainsaw Death, the Massacre Death Match, right, and, and the cage match at Final Resolution that we just talked yeah, about. That's the Whisper in the Wind taking out both of AMW.
Big Lance from Big D. That's from Dallas. Big Dallas. Oh, it goes to Choke saying Jamie Storm, but Harris cuts him off. Irish whip, double clothesline. No, Hoyt Ducks. Double flapjack on AMW. Oh, big Buta, Jarrett. Irish whip again. Ducks the double clothesline from AMW again. Saban with a double dropkick taking out AMW. And Seguri takes out Jarrett. Hoyt knocks both AMW out to the floor. This match is breaking down. Jeff Hardy off the back of Lance Hoyt. He looked like he was going to do a triple jump moonsault, and he he just jumped on AMW. See, they even just said momentary losing his footing. Lance Hoyt with a dive to the floor, taking yeah, out both. Yeah, that was scary because I think you he saw just it overshot too? it. I think he overshot it. That was the weakest looking guitar shot, but he Saban ducked. He's going to hit the cradle shock on Jarrett, but Jarrett slips no, out because yeah. he's spunning. For some no. Reason. No, hit counter. Stroke? No. Oh, my God, he's breaking out. It's got to be Hoyt that takes the fall. Don't fucking job out Saban. What are we Tornado doing? DDT takes out both AMW on the apron. One, two. Oh, my God. He almost you know what? Him. That time he at least actually popped his shoulder up. He didn't just raise his arm. Yeah, you got to give credit where it's due. Yeah. That's when you know it's serious. Former X Division champion. Almost got the three count. Saban climbing up to the top rope. Gail Kim, of course, grabs his leg, knocks him off. Well, he didn't knock off. He crouched him. Giggity, giggity, gal. Oh, no, man. Hey, at least Saban's got to get taken out with the middle rope stroke, which I think looks like shit, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the middle rope stroke. And, well, there you go. I knew it. That's shit dude i fucking do it i fucking do it that's bullshit saving is pro- is the last guy who would have jobbed out <laughs> i know i know the I last know. but you throw an x division guy in there with all the heavyweight guys i mean it's i mean obvious. i get it but like he and he is on the paper he is part of the oh he is okay eight man okay we are handcuffing jeff hardy that is such bullshit. maybe who are we handcuffing oh no that's hoyt they're handcuffing Hoyt in the corner. Hoyt is being handcuffed, yeah. And they're probably going to do... Oh, the death sentence to Hardy, maybe? Oh, no. Guitar shot. Jarrett's grabbing the guitar here. Where's Team 3D? Get up, get up, get up. Get up, get up, get up. Wait. Oh. No, it's How Rhino. Dare, it's fucking Rhino. Of course, the former champion. The man beast. With a chair. And this time he came out with 35 seconds left in the show. So Okay, that's more than he had on the last one. Yeah, that the other one was uh, 10, like 15 seconds. So. Credit where it's due. Not a big pop, though, for him, by the way. Oh, shit. Look at, look at behind oh, him. Shit, Team 3D's right there. Now they get the 15 seconds or whatever we got left. Ten, literally, yeah, 15 seconds. They're the, they're the bigger spot. We'll see you tomorrow at Genesis as the brawl is breaking out. Rhinos after Jeff Jarrett and, and Team 3D and AMW going after each other. And we close out the show. Okay, so I don't know what our streak was at. Oh. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Honestly, from a booking standpoint, I have to give it a thumbs down. I mean, I it, have I, to. And then, and, um, so I'm not saying it's a, a bad show in terms of like I didn't enjoy it. 
but I cannot rationalize in my head what they have, what they did here. I mean, I, I do agree with that. Um, I have so to give it a- I'm going to go in the middle just because I also think that this was a very confusing show. Um, I don't think it was bad like Bob does. So, but unfortunately that means that well, I don't, I don't do thumbs in the middle. I think we, in 2006, we're changing that rule. I, well, I feel like I need to be concrete and you are enough. If ma- you and, like, and, I, and I need to make a decision whether it's good or bad. And honestly, I mean, I have to say it was bad. I don't know why we would do AJ and PD in the way that we did. And then Bob, you I, haven't said you haven't said thumbs down since May 13th. You really just did this. Holy shit. That's got to be a record. Well, I don't know if that's true. It'd be a record for me. Mm. In terms of how long? Are you kidding me? Yeah, we went longer a little bit before. We had a streak from, well, it depends if you count the middle ones. Because you your last thumbs in the middle, which is the last time you ever said thumbs in the middle, was November 11th, 2004. And then we went until March 25th, 2005, before you said down. So, I mean, that's a pretty decent streak as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't like the whole PD and AJ thing. And I, I really... I really feel like for the first, I'm pretty sure this is this is the first time that Jarrett and AMW teamed up. Yes. On television, I I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I don't think no, that there was. I think that was it. I think we just saw it after the Canada thing, right? Not that I remember. I'm pretty sure this was the first time. So that would have been what september something so leading into like october i won't be surprised if i'm wrong okay well, so he literally has only two matches in fucking september uh, as bob's looking that up guys tomorrow genesis 2005 you're not gonna want to miss it yeah so it looks like i'm right yeah see i figured you were um I feel like I you got to hold it off for the fucking pay-per-view. I f- I'm going to give you that job one. out saving. Well, uh, I, I agree with that. Part. That's fucked. I agree with that part. But regardless, we're going to see it begin team up again tomorrow. Uh, because AMW and Jeff Jarrett team up to take on Team 3D and Rhino in the six-man tag main event. We'll also see AJ Styles and Petey Williams again. <laughs> but so. this time it's for the title and it's a real match. Um as well as Sabu and Abyss in a notice qualification match. We have that Elimination X eight-man tag match situation. And they said something's starting with Raven tomorrow at Genesis. Zabisco is yelling at him. We don't quite know what that is, though. Oh, and then, of course, we're going to get the buys up, dude. Hockey sticks on a pole, on every pole, they said. They're going to put them everywhere. Um, and special referee Kip James, it's going to be three live crew against Team Canada's A1, Bobby Roode, and Eric Young. So, not it's almost an interesting show, but it doesn't sound bad. I'm very curious to see. And then, of course, we cannot forget, you guys heard the news earlier. Christian has signed with TNA. Is he going to show up at Genesis? They didn't say it on TV. There was no announcement. What's going to happen? I don't know. Something tells me that this is going to be a cannot miss show over here on the TNA Crossline podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, Genesis looks like a pretty, to me, it looks like a pretty decent 
show. Uh, this this impact just didn't make me more excited for it. I agree with that. I was more excited before we watched this impact. Right, and that's why I think it's a bad show. I'm not fully disagreeing with you, but I didn't. I bad is very strong. When's the last time you said bad? Hold on. It's not my fault you're clicking out of things before we're done with it. I didn't think you were gonna ask me such a question like that. <laughs> um, no, I've said in the middle before when you said it was up. You want me to last time I said it something we watched was bad? Yeah. Might take a minute. Uh, well, I didn't like any of our bonus episodes. No, I'm not. We're not counting it. Okay, I found. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> oh wait, that's not me, it. Wait, that's not it. That's not it. Okay. If you tell no, me 2002, it. I swear to God. No, it's not. The last time I gave something a full thumbs down, not tilting, not in the middle, was NWA and TNA pay per view number 89 in 2004. <laughs> Oh my god, we were still in the weekly fucking papers. I've given every single impact except one, two, three, four, five, six, seven a thumbs up because those seven were in the middle for me. And out of those seven, um, one, two, three, four, four, you gave thumbs down. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's a little preview of uh, if we if we end up doing a year in review, which I mean, there's a good chance of it. We'll be talking about that kind of stuff. Well, you're just a TNA loyalist. So. I can't help my TNA bias. I, I literally we watched. Um, you know, at least you I, admit to it. I, was it the AJ Styles Samoa Joe match um, recently that we watched? At, was it was it Sacrifice? Yeah, I mean, that was yeah, that was probably, that was a really good match. I sent it to my friend and I asked him for about three weeks. I was like, did you watch that Samoa Joe AJ <laughs> Styles match I sent you? He did end up watching and he liked it. So, I, you know. Well, I would hope he would. I mean, that's a very good match. So. But anyways, tomorrow, Genesis, it's going to be a freaking good one. Uh, I kind of, Bob, I don't know about you. I might be peeking at the pre-show a little bit. I'm kind of hoping we're watching the pre-show. Oh, what's, I, didn't, I didn't even see it was on the pre-show. Well, we kind of heard the rumor. So I'll just say it. There was the rumor that Nigel McGuinness may potentially oh, right. be on the pre-show. And maybe he is. And so I'm kind of hoping that we get to watch the pre-show because I kind of want to see Nigel McGuinness. Uh, okay. I forgot about Nigel. That's right. You never yeah, know. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully uh, it's included on our, on our copy. Well, there's only one way to find out. And that's check it before we didn't say anything, but we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> you'll find out with us the next episode which is Genesis so until then for Dallas Gridley I am Bob Conn Jr. and this has been the TNA Cross the Line Podcast <laughs>